everybody, and welcome back to Popcorn Prattle. I am, of course, one of your hosts, Mr. Marcus Sally, executive producer of Shenanigans Incorporated and one of the co-creators of Popcorn Prattle. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. We are but a humble podcast that enjoys talking about movies, but not in a pretentious way, but as if you were listening to movies and want to talk about it with your best good buddies. And, of course, I'm joined by my best two buddies. Uh, first up, you know him, you love him. It's the man, the myth, the legend. It's Mr. Stephen Bailey. Stephen, say hi to the folks at home. Hello, folks at home. And, of course, you know her, you love her. She's ever so lovely, the ever so talented. She's a little tired, so please show your love for Miss Lindley Keed. Lindley, say hi to the folks at home. Hi, folks at home. Oh, see that? Uh, see, it's weird because sometimes, sometimes Lindley will be will be quiet and I, I'll be loud. <laughs> but this was like the complete reverse, so I'm excited. Switching it up on you. S- switch, switching up a little bit. Uh, folks, we have a, a, a very good show for you lined up for tonight. It's a bit of a slow news week as far as uh, uh, film, film news. Um, but... You know what? It doesn't matter because we're going to make it work either way. Um, before we get into our our topics for the evening, uh, I just want to take care of a little bit of housekeeping for you. I know, I know you want to get to the main topics, but hey, relax. It's fine. Uh, because you know what? If you find that you really, really, really like Popcorn Prattle, here is a tip. Uh, why don't you go ahead and hit that subscribe button now? Because I can guarantee you, you're going to like the episode. So hit that subscribe button. Go on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or whatever you're listening uh, onto uh, this platform. Why don't you go ahead and leave us a review as well? Let us know how we're doing. Because guess what? Even if you don't like the show, if there's elements you don't like, those reviews actually help us out so that we can make a better product for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, and, of course, you can always listen to us on, uh, like I said, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on Spotify, on iTunes, on Podbean. We're literally everywhere that you could find a podcast. So check us out. Give us that like. Give us that review. Help us out. Okay. Yeah, we got that. Out. See, it was quick, painless. Let's talk about our topics for tonight. We have on the docket. We're going to talk about the popular film award category, uh, the Academy Awards. They have decided that they're going to introduce a new category called the popular film award category. And there have been some mixed thoughts about this. And of course, your peeps at Popcorn Prattle are going to prattle on about it. Uh, I have thoughts. Of of course you do, Stephen. I have um, thoughts. I have many thoughts. He never, folks. If you this is your first time listening to it, Stephen never has thoughts on anything comic book movie related, which is why this this podcast got put together. But when it comes to film making in general, uh, Stephen is chock full of thoughts. So this is going to be a very good episode for him, actually, because it's all about <laughs> filmmaking. Um, we are also going to talk about, again, it's all about filmmaking, uh, casting decisions. Uh, Tom Cruise is apparently being rumored to be considered to be Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, which was made famous by Ryan Reynolds. Um, so famous, in fact, that Ryan Reynolds had to kill himself 
in Deadpool 2 <laughs> to stop him from playing Green Lantern. Uh, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, we're going to talk about it. Um, and then, uh, and, and we're going to, we're going to, I'm get on that soapbox a little bit. Because once again, uh, the Idris Elba as James Bond rumors have kicked up again. And uh, I don't know what it is, but for some reason, people aren't happy. Hmm. So, uh, because we celebrate celebrate diversity on the show, um, we're gonna, of course, talk about it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I got some thoughts. And uh, last but not least, we're going to talk about our main event topic, which is the Marvel effect. What is the Marvel effect? Well, you'll have to listen to the podcast and figure it out but i guarantee you you are going to want to listen to this because it has to do with not just the marvel cinematic universe but all cinematic universes and how marvel has affected them i know i just gave it away for free but that's to make you keep listening haha audience haha guys i don't know about you but i'm ready to get this thing started Steven, Lindley, are you ready? Ready. Ready. Guys, let us prattle on. Now, the Academy Awards, they have just come out. They've said that the, uh, they, they're opening up a new category. It's called the Popular Film Award category. Uh, now, they haven't given like a lot of details, right? Like it, I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory. It's, it's basically like, you know, this is... These are films that were very popular and hip with the kids, right? Like, I'm guessing that's what it is. Yeah, it sounds like it's, what was the best summer blockbuster? Here's an award for it. Right. Uh, You know, it's kind of like in high school when you got, you know, the kids who get recognized for achievements and different you know, subjects and grade point averages. And then all of a sudden there's this most popular award and it's kind of like, huh, the teachers voted on this. That's a little odd, but okay, whatever, you know. (laughs) I think for me, the weird thing is, is that, um, or the bad thing is, um, I feel like this is an excuse to nominate comic book movies, which of course we're going to talk about later on the show. Um, but I feel like this is an excuse yes. to nominate comic book movies um, and hopefully get them an award. But at the same time, I, and, and maybe you guys agree, maybe you disagree. I feel like it cheapens comic book movies. Um, it does. When you look at some of the movies that have come out lately, especially movies like because um, I, I had a poker night uh, yesterday um, and we were talking about our favorite Marvel movies and – one of the Marvel movies that we all unanimously agreed on was Winter Soldier. Uh, And we were like, it's a great movie. Like, not a great comic book movie. It's a great movie. Um, The Dark Knight is a great movie. It's not a great superhero movie. It's just a great movie. Um, Now, yes, is it popular? Of course. Both those movies, at their respective time periods, they were both incredibly popular. Um... But, and it was nominated for, if I'm not wrong, it was nominated for Best Picture. Uh, at the, the dark, Oscars. the Dark Knight. Yeah. I think I I think so too. I will look this up I'm, I'm because it up right now. we have the internet, and that is a great tool. 
Um, please do, because I, I, I want to know if it was nominated because if, all right, if it's nom- if it's good enough to be nominated for Best Picture. Yep, it was nominated, The Dark Knight was nominated for eight Academy Awards. Um, it won, uh, oh, no, it wasn't nominated for Best Film, sorry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thought it was. But, like, but here's films have been nominated before. But here's my question, and 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 maybe and one of you can can you look this up? What was also nominated during that year? Because arguably, I would say the Dark Knight should have been in Best Picture. Well, yes, I can tell you that was the eighty uh, first Academy Awards, and if I'm not mistaken, two thousand eight. Uh, be- right? Yes, I believe it was. Um, oh goodness, Slumdog Millionaire. I believe that was the one that got Best Picture that year. Okay, Slumdog Millionaire is a good movie, and and I'm not taking a, I'm not trying to cheapen its win yeah. at all. But what I'm also saying is that okay, if Slumdog Millionaire got nominated and it's a good movie, The Dark Knight is also a good movie that could have been nominated. And I feel like the reason why it wasn't nominated was because of the stigma of it being a comic book movie. Yeah, we'll see. The- the nominees that year were Slumdog Millionaire, which won, mm-hmm. Curious Case of Benjamin Button, The okay. Reader, Milk, and Frost Nixon. Hmm. See, you know, I'm going to agree and disagree with you on some things there, Marcus. Hmm. Um, first, I agree. You know, Slumdog Millionaire, I saw it, you know, back when it came out. I thought it was an okay film. Um, but as uh, as... As Lindley, you were just reading off all what was nominated. I think it's important to remember that there is a huge disconnect usually uh, between the Academy members who are voting and the general movie going public. Mm. Um, I mean, I mean, think about it. Like a lot of the times you don't even hear about these movies until the, uh, you know, the best picture nominations come out. Very true. Like you may hear about one or two, but and the reason for that is, is that this is, um, you really do have to look at the Oscars almost like, I don't want to say an inner circle of Hollywood exactly, but it is. They're exposed to more. Uh, a lot of these films, you know, they get released like one weekend in January just to qualify uh, for the Best Picture nomination. Mm-hmm. And But it's always like a limited release. Nobody gets to go see it unless you're part of the Academy. And so, you know, it generates more buzz, you know, once it gets a, a nomination. Mm-hmm. Um and that's really that really kind of speaks to more of my big problem with this category. First of all, I think it's uh it's called outstanding achievement in popular film, uh-huh, uh-huh. which you know, l- let's be real, all of these categories are entirely subjective. You know, I personally think Dark Knight was the best movie of 2008. Uh-huh. Um compared to all of these, that was by default like everything was good, the acting, the story, uh, the cinematic telling um the uh the technical achievements that film brought to it mm-hmm. the fact that it came out at a time when you know everyone was starting to do this whole ooh let's start to release things back in 3D uh and they chose instead hey we're going to film in IMAX and remind people why film is actually better than digital and it was great it was it was it's still a great film mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but um you know I feel like by creating this category for achievement in popular film, and and to be clear, we don't know what the criterion is exactly just yet. True. 
Uh, it, like, is it going to be based on what movies made the most money? Because I mean, I'll you know, I'll I'll remind you, there have been some critical flops that things that you know, uh, the general public you know despised that have made over a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. So if you go that route, it's like, well, Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland would have to have been a contender if they'd had that category back then. Um, so I, I, I don't know, is it going to create uh, money? And I do agree with you, Marcus. I think this is a way uh, it, it's almost, it almost feels like trying to throw a bone to the people who feel disconnected and say like, you know, I haven't even heard of any of these movies. Uh, why, why aren't they going for like this popular summer film here? And I feel like what it's going to help to do is it's going to help usher in a stigma mm-hmm. against films. Now, they have said that uh, a film can qualify for both popular uh, and best picture categories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, think about it, though. That is still going to create a stigma. You know, if it only wins, like, best popular but not best picture, um, that's going to create a stigma. It's like popular is it's like you said it that's something for the kids and the teens mm-hmm. who go to see movies not the serious film goers who are looking to see how this film advanced motion picture history or whatever um and you know you know let's just let's just be real i mean a lot of the times it it, it goes back to that disconnect i was talking about you know because they are exposed to more artistic films and film circles mm-hmm. than the general moving going public you know, I really feel like if they really want to revitalize this category, they really need to do a better job of advertising those art films to the mass going people uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, instead of just, you know, their friends. Because I I had not heard uh, of, uh, what was it? Not Three Billboards, not Shape of Water. What was the other one that was nominated? Um I've already forgot. See, it's yeah. like I've already forgotten. Yeah. And, I, and, and and we watched all so of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was, you know, it was like films that no, like no. Shape of Water was the only one I remember seeing any advertisements for. Mm-hmm. Um, I maybe saw one thing for three billboards and I can't even remember what the other one was now. And I feel really bad. But, um, you know, I just, I just, I, that's my hesitation is I feel like this is going to create a stigma mm-hmm. that where you have what the Academy considers to be higher art and what the movie going public considers to be better. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's just, that's just going to create a bigger gap to me. Mm-hmm. But like I said, we don't know what the final criterion is just yet. So stay tuned because I'm sure that information will be forthcoming. Mm-hmm. Probably Phantom Thread. Uh, Phantom Thread didn't maybe. get a lot of press. I feel the. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just. I mean, the only thing yeah. I ever heard about it was that it was Daniel Day Lewis's final film. Like that's all I ever heard. Well, there was Lady Bird and- yeah, Lady Bird. Yes. Yeah. That's what it was. Call me by your name. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like Lady Bird, I thought it was an okay movie, but. I I hesitate to say that it was the best movie I saw Mm -hmm. that year. So, you know, that's what I mean. I just feel like there's a disconnect. I mean, for me, it's like, I mean, I I feel like there are 
you know, there are definitely some some great movies that come out. But again, I feel like um, like I feel like Black Panther is going to get nominated and probably win. And I or Infinity War. Well, I feel like Infinity War and Black Panther will get nominated, but Black Panther will win. And in all honesty, and it was asked of me. Well, no, Lindley, you asked me. You were like, uh, before we, we were supposed to record earlier in the week, and then we we didn't. Um, but Lindley asked me, uh, which one do I like better, Infinity War or Black Panther? And I will sing Black Panther's praises all night long. Black Twitter, we already agreed. Even if Black Panther sucked, we were still going to say we liked it because we wanted it to be successful. It just so happened it was very good, and it was also very successful. Um, but comparatively, for me, for me personally, um, I I really, really love Infinity War. Um, and I feel like Black Panther winning the popular movie award, again, I feel like this this is a movie that could get nominated for Best Picture. Now, regardless of whether or not it actually wins, I don't really care. The fact that it's got nominated, it's like Get Out getting nominated. It doesn't matter if it wins. It got nominated. That's a win for me. One day, one day a movie will go up there, like, you know, maybe like Black Klansman or Sorry to Bother You. Maybe that will get nominated for a Best Picture, and that will be a very glorious occasion. Um, but I feel like if you give Black Panther the win for Popular Movie Award like yeah you'll be happy you're gonna appease a lot of people but that's but you're also appeasing appeasing a lot of people who don't actually know that that is that's you throwing the you know like steven said you're throwing them a bone you're saying like you're not good enough to be best picture but we'll give you like uh you know a participatory it's uh, yeah it's like it's like it's a it's like and i hate to use this expression it's like it's a it's a token award yes basically. yes it is well no you I, know that's exactly like, what it is like yeah like you're not good enough to be considered uh mm-hmm. the best mm-hmm. but we'll give you this to try and distract from that line right. of thinking without us actually saying it and i mean look you know, the the subtext of the idea is what what's important here mm-hmm. they don't have to come out and say things like that and um, you know, and, and, you know, they did say you, you know, film could compete in both categories, but do you really expect, you know, the Academy to be that in touch with pop culture no. to, to actually look and say, Hey, these were the most popular films. Mm-hmm. They should also be considered for best pictures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, and I, and I know we're, we're probably going to touch on this, so I'm not going to go too deep into it, but. I mean, again, you think about what the the impact of Black Panther. Um, if you guys got a chance to listen to my BlurredCon uh, review uh, of my experience there, a lot of a lot of the people that I interviewed, they talked about Black Panther. They talked about the impact that it had, not just as you know, like oh, it was a good superhero movie. Like, no, it was it was impactful. Like, it changed the culture. It changed the landscape of filmmaking. Now we are finally having that conversation of like, why don't we have more black, all black <laughs> superheroes or all black cast or like, why don't we have a female lead that's strong that ha- that doesn't have to depend on a man? Why don't we have a gay uh, lead superhero movie? When is that? When is that going to happen? Um, and I feel like that. I feel like Black Panther 
kick the door open um, and and ask those questions, um, regardless of whether or not it was trying to or not. And see, you know, for me, just someone who loves film history, Mm -hmm. I feel like what Black Panther did just from a social paradigm shift perspective, that is something that changes motion picture history. Right. You know, uh, because before Black Panther, you just didn't see those kind of films. And if you did, they didn't make that kind of box office mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, no. so it changed, it changed the paradigm. Mm-hmm. Um, real quickly, just cause I want to kind of clarify, uh, the comments about, uh, who all is, uh, the majority of the Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, so back in 2012, and, and I'm getting this all off of Wikipedia, um, you know, the most accurate source out there. Um, well, for this stuff it is. <laughs> yeah, for this stuff. But uh, according to a Los Angeles Times article back in 2012, the Academy at that time was 94% white, 77% male, and 86% of them over the age of 50, or sorry, age 50 or over, with a median age of 62. Now, the last few years, we had, you know, a few kerfuffles with the Academy Awards. You know, you think back to hashtag why so white Oscars. Mm. Uh, or no, Oscars. Hashtag Oscars so white. Um, so things have changed. Uh, in 2016, um, the Academy invited 683 new members that were made up of nearly half women and people of color. But it was still disproportionately white and male. 89% and 73% respectively. Um, so I appreciate that they are trying to uh, progress and get better. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I wish that progress would hurry up faster. And I wish that progress would not involve these little uh, token awards. I wish uh, there would be better representation mm-hmm. um, for these categories. Because, I mean, you look at those numbers and it's like, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not trying to say anybody, you know, on that board is racist or anything. I don't know anybody on, on the academy. But you look at those numbers and it just seems incredibly unlikely that a film like Black Panther, which we just said did change the social paradigm of, uh, of film, mm-hmm. um, it's just very unlikely that those, uh, numbers would actually vote for that as a best picture contender exactly and that is something i feel that needs to change Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um because i mean you know when you really (laughs) i'm trying not to geek out and make this a three hour long episode uh which if this was the 100th episode special i would have no problem doing (laughs) but i don't think we're up to that number just yet uh so i'll speed through this um you know I, i i i feel like um you know, you, these are changes that can be made. Um, and, uh, if you actually break down what each category at the Academy Awards is designed for, it's all about recognizing the achievements, mm-hmm. you know, like best achievement and visual effects. Well, it makes sense to award the film that, you know, brought the most new techniques to the table. Um, look at best picture. It's the achievement in best picture. So, you know, look at what it did. I think uh, the social paradigm that Black Panther brought, uh, I think that is something that uh, should be recognized Um, because, I mean, you know, for numerous reasons we've talked about before. Um, But yeah, there it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, on that note, uh, 
Stephen, and 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 don't get me wrong, you you are making up some some very 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 good strong points. Um, but audience, we want to hear from you too. We want to know exactly, you know, what you feel about, um, about this new popular film category. I know you probably have not thought about it as in depth as what we're probably talking right now. Um, but, but you know what though? I feel like it is a conversation that, that did need to have, that did need to happen. Um, because I know for myself when I, when I saw that Stephen hit it, hit the nail right on the head this is a token award and and it it's not just for black panther because i know black panther is probably going to win it but in subsequent years that's all this is going to be and i'm sorry but right now the popular films out are superhero films and there there's a lot more art that is coming out of these superhero films than you see in a lot of other films i am sorry um but again we're gonna we're gonna talk about it we're gonna talk about it when we get to the marvel effect um we are gonna take uh just a a little bit of a break um before we get into talking about the uh the casting decisions of the rumored casting decisions uh, coming up in in coming years and uh yeah, and then we'll get to our main event. So stay tuned. You're about to hear from a, another podcast that, you know, isn't necessarily like us, but uh, we hope that you'll check them out. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about some casting decisions. Stay tuned. If you're looking for a political podcast made by normal people that isn't partisan garbage, check out WikiLeaks on Weed. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, or anywhere else where you listen to podcasts. Explicit content, mostly due to swearing. WikiLeaks on Weed. So, uh, casting-wise, we have um, we have two rumored casting decisions. Nothing has been confirmed, okay? And we, we know that, so before you blow up twitter or instagram or facebook and tell us like you're wrong we know that these haven't been confirmed but it's one one could be a good decision and one could be a bad one let's start with the one that could be good we've talked about it before so we're not going to spend too much time on it um but let's Let's just talk about Mr. Idris Elba. Uh, once again, it feels like an annual thing. It's like you've got Christmas, Thanksgiving, Halloween. Idris Elba gets brought up to be 007. Like, it's almost become a holiday now <laughs> where every every year someone says, like, Idris Elba should be... Uh, 007 and then everyone's like what Idris Elba's gonna be 007 they're like no we didn't say that and everyone's like he's gonna be 007 and then it's split right down the middle of people who agree and then people who disagree and I don't quite get the 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 disagreement arguments now if someone could come up to me and give me an actual legitimate reason on why Idris Elba could not play James Bond I would be more than happy to accept that or at least listen to it but all I ever get is Idris Elba can't be James Bond because James Bond isn't black 
That's all I ever get. Like, nothing about, like, acting chops or anything like that. Or, like, can he do the stunts? Um, Can he be that kind of sexual guy slash that badass guy, especially that um, Daniel Craig has brought out of the character in recent years? Um, All I ever get is, well, he can't do it because he's black. And it reminds me of a time, and Steven, you're gonna you're you're gonna love this. Lindley, I don't think you were I don't I, I pray to God that you missed this comment. Um I was told I was told our in our second senior year of college that I could not play Macbeth because Macbeth is Scottish and I am black. I'm not going to say who said it, but I'll tell you after the show and it's going to blow your, no, it, it probably won't blow your mind, but I know I figured out who said it. Like somebody told me, they were like, oh, so-and-so said it. Yeah. It Look in the comments section, audience, and you'll find where this person lives. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, I, I mean, being, being a black actor in, in Anderson, it was to be expected that people would say that. And of course I got the part and I'd like to, I like to think I rocked it out. Um, but that was the argument. That was the argument from this one person was that I should not play the part because I am not Scottish and Macbeth is white. And it's the same argument that I hear with Idris Elba and it has nothing to do with his talent it has nothing to do with his physicality. It has everything to do with his race. And I do not agree with that at all. I mean, hell, make James Bond a woman. I don't care. If it's going to if you're going to give me the character, if if the per if the woman can if a woman can do it, right, then let her be Jane Bond. I don't care. Give me something new. We've talked. We've talked about this with uh, Indiana Jones, um, but uh, but I want to know from you guys. Uh, you know, and 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 again, if you if you if you feel like Idris Elba should not play James Bond, you, I know for a fact you two are going to give me an actual reason other than the fact that he's black. So so tell me, is this is this good casting or is it not? Is it just we just want we just want to get diversity in the James Bond universe? I just think, I think his personality and just his suaveness is what mm-hmm. makes him perfect for the role. It has nothing to do about the color of his skin. It has to do with his talent and his swagger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're saying, you're saying Idris Elba has that. He does have it. I would be okay. fine to gotcha. see him play James Bond. See, and I and I agree with you. I I I really do think like like if you told me like Will Smith was going to be James Bond, I'd be like, no, why? Like that's dumb casting. But you're right. Like Idris Elba has shown that he he can be that suave debonair guy, but he can also <laughs> be like the badass. If you know, if Will Smith was James Bond, people. he would do the theme song. Ha <laughs> ha! Double oh seven. Oh what? <laughs> oh God, no! Literally, no. I want this to happen. Oh, uh, we gotta take. I have to edit that out because I don't want people. I don't want 
studios to get that idea. They're like, Woo! oh, it'll be great. It'll get played on the radio. <laughs> it'll get, we'll be able to, it'll be a cost-saving me- measure because uh, he'll be the actor and the singer. Sam Mendes, don't you think that's a um, great idea? No. Will Smith, is he can direct it, too. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, it can be produced by his uh, studio company. <laughs> Big Willie Productions. I don't know. Does he have a studio company? I'm going to look that up while Stephen tells it's us. It's a production company or something. Oh, Jesus, Webb. Stephen, yeah, what, look it up. what do you think? What is, uh, is Idris is Idris Bond-worthy? Well, I mean, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, I like I don't understand why that's a debate. Like, of course he is. Um, you know, full disclosure, I the the closest I've ever become, I've ever come to being a fan of the James Bond franchise mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was watching James Bond Junior when I was like two years old. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I just, I don't know. Like James Bond has never really clicked with me. I think maybe, uh, I, I, you know, and I, and I, I'm not saying that flippantly. I'm, you know, I realize like, uh, Indiana Jones owes his debt, uh, mm. to James Bond. I know, uh, a lot of Christopher Nolan sort of, uh, gentleman espionage sequences owe their debt to James Bond and, Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I was just spoiled on those other films before I got to it. So whenever, you know, I watch, uh, James Bond, all I see is some guy who's a bit of a chauvinist and kind of a, kind of a jerk to people. Mm-hmm. And and I just, I don't have that same kind of attachment to the character, um, that I think a lot of other people do. Mm-hmm. Having said that, you know, absolutely uh idris elba could play him absolutely he can he could knock that out of the ballpark um i would just have to say you know i would hope that whoever does end up making a movie like that if they were to get idris elba on board i would hope that they don't just sit there and rest on well we got idris elba that's all we need to do Mm. and then they churn out like a half half baked plot or a rehashed story that we've seen a million other times. Right. And just kind of drop the ball on all the other stuff. It'd still have to be, you know, a good story with good, um, with good, uh, uh, action sequences and good suspense. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, just, you know, don't, I don't know. Just, it's like, don't rest on your laurels. <laughs> Don't rest on the no, laurel of it just being don't, James Don't rest Bond. on your yannies. So, and I and I agree with you. I agree with you, Stephen. I mean, I feel like if you're gonna get James Bond, it's kind of like uh, it's it's kind of you know. I, I mean, I hate to reuse it. Although I said ever since Black Panther came out, I was gonna bring it up every show. But it's kind of like Black Panther. Black Panther can't just rely on the fact that like, oh, it's got a black cast. It's gonna be great. Mm, not necessarily. Yeah, no. Like it could have been terrible. It's, because let's not forget all the movies that did kind of, and, and I am going to be accusatory here, mm-hmm. they did kind of have that whole, you know, see, we put a black person in a leading role, mm-hmm. and it tricks people into thinking, oh, this is going to be a really progressive look, no. and then we get Fant Forstick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, other films that you realize, okay, so they wanted to give the appearance of being progressive right when in actuality 
that was all they had going for them mm-hmm. <laughs> because the movie sucked. Exactly. And like, that's like, you, you know, don't, don't drop the ball. I mean, a, a movie has to be more than just whoever it's lead actor is, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you can have someone acting the heck out of something and only just elevate the movie so much. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I mean, you look at a, <laughs> Oh gosh, I can't even think of a good example right now. But there've been, you know what I mean. There's yeah. there's a lot of movies where it's like all you remember from the movie is that one actor mm-hmm. uh, because they did such a great job, and everything else around it is just like, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I would say. It's just you know absolutely get Idris Elba, but you know make it a good movie still. I mean, I think that I think that Idris Elba. This is a this is the type of film that I think that Idris Elba is excited for. I know that he wasn't too excited for the second Thor movie. Um, he was much more interested in the Mandela movie, and I think he wants to be challenged. Um, and I think that the the challenge of being James Bond, of proving people wrong, I think that we could get his best performance out of being James Bond. So for that fact, I'm like, well, let the man play the part because he's going to give it his all. He is. Um, I, I just, I just do. I just hate, I just hate the idea that, you know, you can't play, you can't recast a character as a different ethnicity or a different gender because of X, Y, and Z. I mean, for crying out loud, they've established in this current Bond iteration, some of you probably blocked mm-hmm. this out from your memory, but I'm going to remind you, this Bond is yes. bisexual. Like he is. Yeah. In Skyfall. Not Skyfall. Yeah, Skyfall. In Skyfall, he he meets up with the with the big bad, the and the big bad tries to like seduce him. Yeah, yeah. And Bond Bond was like, "What oh, makes you think this is my okay. first time?" That like Sam Mendes came out and said like that was him I saying gotcha. Bond is bisexual. Yeah, which again, not a big deal. I don't care. I mean, as 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 freaky as Bond is. Like, okay, like I bought into that. I was like, yeah, I, I, I believe that. <laughs> okay, like, like, uh, he had to get a mission, right? Wait, I, I assume that it can't always be a Bond girl. So, just saying. Um, but I feel like we, I feel like there wasn't a lot of backlash about that. But for some reason, this Idris Elba thing, they just like, mm, no. Sean Connery, can we just go back in time and just get Sean Connery to play James Bond again? No. <laughs> Not at all. Matter of fact, I'm sorry. I feel like Daniel Craig does a great job as James Bond. Like, I like him better than most Bonds, to be quite honest. I know that's kind of blasphemy to some of you Bond heads, <laughs> you serious Bond heads who read Ian Fleming. No, Every do year, Thor is the best Bond in the world. Except <laughs> three people. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but, 
But I think we can all I think we can all agree on this next casting rumor that this is a bad idea. And it's not a full go home DC you're drunk moment, although I guess it could be. <laughs> they want to make no. Tom Cruise Hal Jordan, no. aka the Green Lantern. Okay, okay, it's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's 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 not that they're drunk; they're just starting to get tipsy, and no. they're debating if they want to have another, another round. Who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> who who in who? Who in, who at, uh, uh, yeah, Warner Brothers. is it Warner Brothers? Yeah, it's Warner Brothers, right? Warner Brothers. Who at Warner, Warner Brothers said, yeah. hey, you know who we should get? We should get Tom Cruise. He just got off of Fallout. Fallout was amazing. Everybody's talking about it. They're saying it's the best action film of all time. So clearly that equates to making Tom Cruise, oh. Hal Jordan, the Green oh, Lantern. Like Made famous by <laughs> our Deadpool, our current Deadpool, like what our listener Ryan Heather Reynolds. Said, she says, Tom, he should be too old for this cruise. Psh, bring back Army Hammer. Please, please, please. Can we do that? Please? I'm always okay for Army Hammer. This is the one time. This is this is the one time, Lindley, where I actually agree with you in an Army Hammer uh, casting pick. I think Army Very Hammer. Good. I think he could do it. Um, I think, and I, and on, on all honesty, I think it would be great because Army Hammer is. I don't know how old he is, but he he seems kind of ageless. But it would be nice if we're gonna if we're gonna stick with Batflick in in the DCEU. I feel like you need someone who could be around that age. You know, like kind of be that in-between person. Tom Cruise, admittedly, does look way too old. Matter of fact, like it fits it fits with the uh, Mission Impossible franchise because it's the same guy and he's been around for years. And it he's going through things that someone his age would go through. Like some questions, some doubts that he has about working with the with the uh, uh, IMF. This is not who the ring would pick, however, to be the this quadrant's uh, protector. And on top of that, again, and it's not, and it's, and this is not me as a as just a black actor wanting more roles for black people, but. We all know John Stewart from just from the Just League cartoon. Like that's who people are familiar with. So why are we pushing Hal Jordan so much when we all know and want John Stewart to be our Green Lantern first? I I, I don't know. I don't know. But Tom Cruise, however. Should not be Hal Jordan at all. He can play someone else. There's so many characters in the DC. Oh, he could be played. Go ahead. He could be John Constantine, actually. Even that one, I'm just like, I don't. I'd kind of. 
<laughs> Louis like, but Kenny though. You sure? <laughs> I mean, I feel like Tom Cruise needs to be in a comic book movie. Like, I feel like he's good enough to be in a comic book movie. I do. Oh, you know who he should have played? He should have played Rick Flagg. Instead of nondescript but, guy. But does Katana well, have no. Tom Cruise's back? No one has Tom Cruise's back. But who, <laughs> so needs, no. who needs to have Rick Flagg's back? Not even Katana, whose soul, whose sword traps the souls of its victims. What if, what if they did something since, since the DCU has established that they could care less about you know how well the comic book stories go? What if they instead uh, cast Tom Cruise as Alan Scott, the original Green Lantern, uh, before they reinvented him as Hal Jordan? And then, I don't know, maybe they could do something like a passing of the torch kind of thing. Or he could be the alien that dies in order for Hal Jordan or whoever to get the ring. Mm-hmm. So he's not mm-hmm. in the movie that Hal he, he could. So, I have mixed feelings about this. Um, I have... You know, I the only things of Green Lantern I have read mm-hmm. are, like, the crossovers he's done with Batman. Um, like, in uh, The Man Who Laughs, he shows up in one of those issues, I think. Um, interesting character. Um, and, you know, I think Tom Cruise, you know, people think of, like, his eccentricities and stuff, but um, he is a good actor. You know, when he's given good material to work with. True. Um, I think from a, since obviously DC wants to create a long-term cinematic universe. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is where I feel kind of torn because it's like, you know, I don't want to sound ageist uh, and ridicule Tom Cruise for his age. But you're right. I mean, he doesn't even, I mean, do you, I mean, do they really want to depict a 65-year-old a superhero mm. 10 years from now i mean i mean they would have to kind of consider longevity there um so i i do agree i think he should be in one of these movies i just don't think uh making him one of their front runner superheroes is probably the way to go mm-hmm. um you know but i don't know i don't really Hell. think the dceu should exist right now so too so <laughs> I mean, I was just thinking, would it be too much for him to be the Jason Todd? Oh, no. No. Guys. Oh, my God. He should play Hush. Hmm. Like, he should, because he's, he, he's the same age as Ben Affleck. He should play Hush. He's charming. He's physical. He's, he's great with in, kittens. In films, in films, he's very charming. <laughs> but he's like he could be. I would buy. I would buy that. I would pay to. I would pay to watch him fight Batflack. And they're the same. They're the same age. I think it could work. That's that's who Tom Cruise needs to play. 
Especially since um, Jake Gyllenhaal is, is in the MCU now. Not that not that they can't cross over as as uh, <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne uh, showed, because he's in both now. Yeah, he's in both That's as true. like like characters that can mm-hmm. that can and probably will be brought back. So I, I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm putting it out there in the universe. Hopefully, someone listens. Dave's probably Dave's probably listening to this on his road trip. Hey, Dave, um, drive safely. Hey, Dave. Dave's probably listening to this, and he's like, "No, that's a stupid idea," because Dave hates everything that I love. <laughs> uh, oh, bless. Well, guys. I've had a wonderful time talking to you about this <coughs> casting stuff, but let's get down to the down and dirty. Let us begin what we like to call our main event. It's main event time. So for our main event tonight, guys, let us discuss what I'm coining as the Marvel effect. Okay, and for for you audience at home, because um, Lily before the before the show, she asked me, she's like, "What exactly, what exactly are we talking about?" It's a great question. Uh, the Marvel effect is the idea <laughs> that the MCU has invited as as uh, as someone pointed out to me. Um, actually, it was Dave. As Dave pointed out to me. Um, is the exact thing that Vision brings up in Civil War. I have an equation. Oh, now this will clear it up. In the eight years since Mr. Stark announced himself as Iron Man, the number of known enhanced persons has grown exponentially. And during the same period, the number of potentially world-ending events has risen at a commensurate rate. He's saying it's our fault? I'm saying there may be a causality. Our very strength invites challenge. Challenge incites conflict. And conflict breeds catastrophe. Oversight. Oversight is not an idea that can be dismissed out of hand. Boom. Since Iron Man, they've changed the game. They came out with the Avengers. And then since the Avengers, there has been a rise in film studios trying to make a cinematic universe that rivals the MCU. Their very presence invites challenge. Because you can't just be in Hollywood and be the only one with this trillion dollar idea and nobody else is going to try it. The problem is is that unfortunately these studios are not good enough they cannot replicate what the MCU has created so let's start off the discussion here um why why can't these studios do it why can't the DCEU which audience if you are not reading any current issues of uh, 
the DC universe, I highly encourage you to stop what you're doing right now. Go to Comixology, set up an account, and read read the last arc of Batman. Nothing else. Just Batman. Because once you read that, I guarantee you, you're going to be hooked. And you're going to sit there and you're going to wonder, why is the DCEU not pulling from the source material? Because while, you know, and, and, and not to steal any thunder from Steven at all, you know, Steven talks about, you know, Superman Red Sun. I will talk about The Long Halloween. I'll talk about Hush. But there are stories coming out right now that are amazing. They're better than the stuff that we're talking about. So why 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 are studios like the DCEU? Why are studios like Sony's was it the, the Marvel Sony was it Scum, the Sony Cinematic Universe Marvel? I don't know. It uh, was it was it was uh <laughs> Uh, Sony's universe of Marvel characters, Boo! which if you re- yeah, that, if you rearrange the letters, you can make the word scum. <laughs> yeah, it's it sounds horrible. Uh, why can't they get their fran- they, Why can't they get their franchise off the ground? Why did Fox have to get bought out by Marvel before they could even hope to get their uh, their cinematic universe off the ground? Um, Universal, they've got the Fast and the Furious franchise. They, 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 they don't have spinoffs. They just have the main story. So why? Why, can, why can't these studios replicate what Marvel has done? Well, most hmm. of them don't have the formula to begin with. Marvel has such a, a catalog of stories, of characters, of crossovers mm-hmm. already in their canon. But when you take something like the Dark Universe, yeah, they have the characters. Yes, they have the franchise. But the only time they've ever really crossed over is in things like Abbott and Costello meet Frankensteiner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those sort of movies. Comedies. They're not really supposed to be taken seriously into canon. So when you try to take what you have in a desperate attempt to do something else, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it shows. I think, Lindley, to, to kind of tack on to that, too, um, because, because on, on, on one hand, I, I, I definitely agree with you, with a lot of these cinematic universes that are coming out, um, you know, you look at the MonsterVerse uh, with Godzilla and King Kong, <sighs> They don't. They don't have that catalog of stories like Marvel does. They they do to a to a degree, um, but you you have to reimagine it. You can't pull from those stories. You have to reimagine it and hope for the best. Um, but then you look at the you look at you know DC and DC Comics. They they've got the same thing that Marvel does, but. I think I think the thing that people always forget about Marvel is that Marvel has always, and this is not to be like like oh Marvel's so saintish and they never did anything for money. Um, Marvel took their time. They said to themselves, "Hey, 
story is yep. more important than getting these movies out as quickly as we can. You know, like, could you imagine having Infinity War mm-hmm. before any of the other stuff we've seen? No, it'd be crap. Nope. You would not get the payoff that you did with Infinity War like you did if you put out Infinity War five years ago. It was halfway through Marvel's decade of putting out movies. Um, it would not have the same impact at all. It would be like, oh, okay, so this is the new bad. They're going to beat them. But because you made us care about these characters for 10 years, that's why when Thanos snaps and they all die, you feel it. You're like, oh, whoa, what is happening? Because we spent 10 years with these characters. And they took their time so that they could get that payoff. Right. Mm -hmm. That was our biggest complaint with Batman vs. Superman. It's like, we don't, you just introduced this new Batman to us. Why should we care that he's fighting Superman? A Superman that we don't care for. Like, you haven't given us a Superman we can, we can root for. Now you're bringing Batman and we don't know him? Like, we're still wondering why you're not using Christian Bale. The casual fan is. So it's, it's you know, I, I definitely think it's that back catalog of, of, of story. But I also feel like, you know, you've got to, get, you've got to take your time with the story as well. You've got to. Stephen, what 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 say you? Because I and I and Stephen, I have been dreading this topic so much because I know how you feel about these cinematic universes. <laughs> I do, but I would hope, I would hope that you would see some benefit in what they have done and what they have accomplished. But also, I I I had to I had to laugh because. In this particular topic, I kind of do agree with you that Marvel has kind of done a negative thing to films in general. Created a monster, you mean? Yeah. A a big three-headed monster that no one can seem to kill, right? That's what it feels like? Yeah, yeah. So before we we dig into that, because that that was going to be my next question, Um, Stephen... What what do you think is the issue? Um, let's talk about video games for a second. Okay. <laughs> um, back in the eighties, the uh, the big game company was Atari, mm-hmm. and Atari was very popular, and you know a lot of people had Atari. But there were a lot of games because they didn't really have this. Um, uh, they didn't really have a control on who could make games for their console. You had a lot of unlicensed third-party games made for it. Uh, you had a lot of uh, crap get churned out, and basically, in economic terms, this is what's called saturating the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it was everywhere. And everyone suddenly had a what they were calling the best Atari game. Consumers wised up to the act and stopped buying them. It crashed the video game market. You had games like E.T., which confused kids 
you had uh, the, uh, <laughs> the for Pac-Man, which, uh, you know, people hated. Um, and, and just a host of other games that just, it was like, it was too much. It was garbage. It was nonstop garbage. And it brought the entire video game industry down. Uh, now, Nintendo came out a few years later and they had an uphill battle to fight. But one of the strategies they used was, first of all, they didn't advertise it as a video gaming system. Uh, when they came out with the original Nintendo, they advertised it as uh, a futuristic entertainment system. Mm-hmm. Um, when in actuality, all it did was just play video games. They even sold it with a little robot uh, buddy. They called him Rob the Robot because he was your robotic operating buddy. You could play a game and like he would uh, rotate his arms and like push buttons on a controller. And in, you know, in 1985 or whenever that happened, it seemed so futuristic. Um, another thing they did was they released, uh, their games with a Nintendo seal of approval. Uh-huh. Uh, you see it on their video games. It's a little stamp that says Nintendo approves this product. So, you know, you're not buying a third party piece of crap. Uh-huh. Um, and that was enough to restore confidence in the market and the video game industry has been, uh, you know, was changed ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, now, to tie it into your question, um, I don't think we should fault Marvel uh, for what's happened. Hmm. You're absolutely right. They did find a winning strategy um, with this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I make no bones about it. You know, when I watch the movies, I'm like, okay, that was entertaining. But, you know, I don't, I don't hate them, but I don't, I also don't feel the same you know, sense of attachment to them that a lot of other people do. And, right. And, and that's fine. You know, everyone has their different tastes and whatnot. Um, so I don't, I don't begrudge them having a working cinematic universe. My concerns uh, from the beginning have always been other studios are always going to be money minded. Mm-hmm. So they're going to see what's working so well for Marvel and they're going to try to duplicate it. And this really reminds me of that video game crash where everyone's got to have the next big universe. Mm-hmm. And what, why that just makes me upset is because I don't want just cinematic universes. You know, if Marvel wants to have one, that's fine. If DC wants to have one, that's fine. That makes sense. If the monster universe wants one, okay, now we're getting a bit excessive. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, now there's a, um, I think they said a Hanna-Barbera one was in the works at one point in time. Oh, so, like, yeah. you see a crossover with Scooby-Doo and Johnny Bravo and all that, mm-hmm. which, you know, sounds funny. <laughs> I want a Johnny God, Bravo I would pay money. I would pay big universe. money for that. <laughs> but see, here's the thing. Do you need a universe out of it? Like, the, and that, and that's what I think it is. Is like I feel like, <gasps> but like the characters could like collide because of Dexter and Dexter's laboratory. Like he makes yeah, you could make a really fun story out of it. But here's what I think. I think the analogy to Nintendo Seal of Approval mm-hmm. uh, is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's that word. It's the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, because when everyone else starts using the word, you know, universe, first of all, it sounds pretentious. Mm. Second of all, it blatantly smacks of, we're going to do what Marvel's doing. 
Mm. And third of all, consumers are smart. Well, well, <laughs> let me let me not jump that far because uh, somehow Batman v Superman still made like eight hundred million dollars. Um, but people are wising up to this idea that just because you're calling it a universe doesn't automatically make it good. And it's for the reasons y'all pointed out. They want to, you know, we've talked about this many times. They want to jump to uh, Infinity War, you know, in half the time it took Marvel to get there. Mm -hmm. You know, they, to quote Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park, they stood on the shoulders of geniuses and uh, therefore, you know, they took what others knew. Uh, and they that they you know took credit for what others did, and that way they didn't have to learn any responsibility for it. And then all and of a sudden you're you're selling, you're selling, yeah, you're yeah, selling. Yeah, 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 you patented it, you slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. Now you're selling it. Um, <laughs> and uh, and and that's exactly what's happened. And it's not just DC; mm-hmm. it's Universal. And yes, yeah. Disney Disney is you know uh the um distributor for the marvel movies but even disney is like hmm i bet we can do that with some of our other franchises yeah they've tried it with star wars and while i personally have enjoyed the star wars movies i just hope they never you know i really hate this idea that they're creating a star wars cinematic universe just call Mm -hmm. it a franchise don't even use the word universe i feel more inclined to watch something if i know it's going to be a self-contained story uh, with an inevitable end at some point, mm-hmm. you know, just because I, I have to have that in my story. I can't like, you know, if you really break down what Marvel did, they basically found a way to take uh, television writing to the theaters. Mm-hmm. Because think about it in television, you know, stories can keep going on. Mm-hmm. There's always the sense of change, but always that promise that things aren't really going to change. I mean, even with Infinity War, let's just keep it real. Yeah. I think everybody, you know, who uh, has seen it knows how it ends. Um, and those who haven't, I won't say anything, but, you know. I already, should, I already should, did. Should. I spoiled it early in the episode, so you can go ahead. Uh, okay, well, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, so if you haven't seen it, oh well. Um, but, I mean, I think we can all agree, obviously, since it was only the end of the first part, Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously things aren't always going to be set in stone uh, the way they were left. And I mean, that's just classic, you know, television writing. Nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Um, if you really look at each um, Marvel movie, you could divide it up into, a, oh, this is like a, a six episode season, really, of a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, you know, that's and that's not a criticism. I mean, that's, you know, TV. We've talked about this too. TV shows are afforded more time to invest in characters and create plot threads that interweave and move out. You know, if, if, you know, Marvel looked at it as like creating a uh, two and a half hour movie every year or whatever, they would never be able to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's not like it's a, a very, you know, clever trick or anything, but it is something that I think studios have overlooked and in their process, they've left behind most of the movie going audience mm-hmm. um, because they, like I said, they want to chase infinity war without earning uh, the knowledge for themselves or earning the discipline for themselves. They want to jump into the death of the death of Superman and Batman versus Superman all in one go mm-hmm. while also introducing all these other uh, superheroes. And it's like, I mean, by the end, when Superman died, I was laughing. 
Like, like right. if I am laughing at the fact that that's what took Superman down, you know you've messed up because, you know, everything in the text of the film, from the music to everyone's emotions, suggests that I should be sad here. But I am laughing because he just went down like some punk and I had no concern for him whatsoever. In fact, I didn't like, I hated his character. So it was like, <laughs> yes, finally. But I know that's not what the film was intending. Well, you also have to remember, too, you know, it's kind of like, you know, people like to make the argument in Infinity War. We know that everybody that died is coming back because they all like they've already announced their movies. They already announced their sequels. Um, but the thing is, Contracts. is that that still doesn't take away from the fact that when Peter died, when Peter Parker dies, like I cried. Oh yeah, I straight up something emotional there. I I was straight up like, can we not do this right now? You know, and mm-hmm. right, can I was like, not? um, can you not? Die? Uh, I was perfectly okay with Tony dying in Infinity War. I was like, I was like, matter of fact, I was expecting it, but then for him not to die, and it's Peter Parker that's dying. I'm like, oh no, I cannot deal with this at all, and. I feel like, again, you know, Stephen, you're you're absolutely right. You know, they killed off Superman so early before you would get that big emotional payoff. Like, you did not make Superman seem invincible. You didn't. You relied on us knowing that Superman is invulnerable. You didn't. And in the, in the same movie that you kill him off, you introduce Kryptonite. Kryptonite should be Act 2. That should have been Man of Steel 2. That's when Kryptonite should have been introduced. Let, a, let the general audience know, like, oh, hey, guess what? Superman can be defeated by Kryptonite, but he overcomes it. So then you what? what? So then when, when Kryptonite, when, you know, society can't, when, like, another Kryptonian can't kill him, when Kryptonite can't kill him, what can kill him? That's when you introduce Doomsday. You introduce Doomsday when you've tried two times to kill this guy. The third time in his third movie, you kill him. Because guess what? If you told me Superman was going to die in the third movie, and you did not tell me that Henry Cavill had any other contract, like, obligations, I'd buy it. I'd be like, oh, oh, yeah, he's done. Like, this, this makes sense. Logically... Logically, from a storytelling standpoint, it makes sense to kill him off now. But you you rushed it, and you know, and so, and, and to kind of like to shift it off of you know, because you know, we I mean, yeah, we're you know, we're going to talk about comic book movies on the show, but let's talk about other movies. You look at things like Fast and Furious, which I love, but they're trying to make that into a cinematic universe. That ship has that, that ship has yeah. sailed. For Fast that doesn't and need to be a universe. It doesn't. Like, it really doesn't. Like, I'm like, it's, it's all about. Yeah, it's the team. So what are you gonna do? You gonna have like spinoff where it's like, like individuals from Hobbs the team. And Shaw. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly what they're doing. In fact, I was just like, I did, like literally as we were recording this, I just discovered this because I clicked on uh, the link for Hobbs and Shaw. Yep. And I was like, what the heck is oh my god. No. Yeah, it's the Rocks the Rocks character is getting a spin-off with Jason Statham's character. 
because well, they want because he they, doesn't why? get along with Vin Diesel. That's why. Well, it's that. Well, that's why he doesn't get along with Vin Diesel. That's why he doesn't get along with a lot of the cast because he's really pushing for this spinoff. But the rest of the cast is like, why? Why are we having yeah. a spinoff? Like, there's no reason to have a spinoff. Like, the whole franchise is about this family. So if you separate the family, then what is Fast and Furious? Um, it's... Because that's what it's all about. It's about family. <laughs> family is the only thing that matters. You have a drink game. How many times do you say family? You look at... In the movie. You look at... Uh, uh, family! The, the, uh, uh, the Conjuring. The Conjuring Cinematic Universe. Technically, it's a cinematic universe. If anything, I think The Conjuring has done it, has made a cinematic universe, but I think they're successful because they're not... They're all connected. Like, all the movies are connected. But they're never going to have a big team-up movie. If anything, you kind of think about it in reverse. The team-up movie is The Conjuring. The spinoffs are like the Iron Man, the Thor, the the Incredible Hulk, the Captain America movie, the Nun. That's that's technically should have like came before the Conjuring. And see, I I think the Conjuring universe. I think they flipped it on its head, and they were like, "Hey, let's do let's do a Marvel did, but let's just do it in reverse." And I think that they've been successful. Clearly, they've been successful because guess what? People are still going to the movies. People, people don't, people don't complain about those movies. They, they enjoy those movies. And see, I'm gonna, you know, go back to this idea of everybody chasing Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Um, when every single thing, because let's just be real, you know, Marvel's universe, even though it is successful, it's not without its nitpicks. I mean, uh, you know, you've got you know, those outings where it's just like, that was okay. And I feel like all, you know, more attention was uh, aimed at, you know, building the bigger universe than the actual movie I'm watching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that is a, that's, you know, that's one of my criticisms. And when every studio is doing that, you know, it diminishes the quality of storytelling and it keeps pushing this idea where everyone wants their universes. And it's like, what happened to just, making a good movie like i mean marvel's done it they've made good movies mm-hmm. um you know <laughs> you know you can build universes and franchises without going out of your way mm-hmm. i mean look at lord of the rings they built a huge franchise uh and they did it naturally and really well and then they lost their footing when they came to the hobbit because that's when they were like, ooh, let's not just build up Lord of the Rings, but this whole big universe. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, I came here to see Bilbo, not, you know, some elf falling in love with a dwarf. Right. That never happened in the book. You mean that wasn't well, what, that's the not Hobbit what the book was about? Because it was real. Because it was real. I love about that movie is that Evangeline Lily was like, I'll do it, but I don't want to be in a love triangle. So they're like, Yeah, 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 sure, 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 sure you won't be. They brought her back for reshoots. Yeah. Of course she was. And she was in a love so triangle. So we're changing your character. Mm-hmm. What are we changing? 
we're going to put you in a love triangle. I mean, it worked really well for the Twilight cinematic universe. Oh, That's geez, just it. It's like, lab. don't make a cinematic universe. Make a good movie. Because, again, going back to Marvel, when Iron Man came out, obviously, by you know that end credit kind of teased, that's what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But they still had to make a good movie first. Right. If and the Iron movie Man wasn't was good... entertaining. So... If the movie wasn't good, then, you know what, Samuel Jackson could come out at the end of that movie and say whatever he wants... We're not going to go see the next it. movie. <laughs> I've had it with these monkey fighting others with on this nope. Monday to Friday plane. <laughs> on this Monday to Friday plane. <laughs> I I will say though, this is this is another thing about the Marvel effect, um, and this is and this is really one of the big reasons why I wanted to bring it up. I feel like the Marvel effect has also assisted in the negative. Um, reactions from fans i feel like i feel like there are two types of fans because of the marvel cinematic universe the fans who grew up with the comic books Mm -hmm. and then the casual fan the fans who only know the the movies now i now i now i i i take pride in the fact that i am familiar with the comics um I mean, there are certain things that, like, I have to ask Dave about, like, or, you know, nowadays, like, I'm I'm reading the comics, so I know a lot more than what I did when, you know, Iron Man came out. But you look at, like, the negativity that you see in the world now when it comes to, um, and this is, and this is primarily about uh, Ruby Rose, actually, just, um, she just got cast as Batwoman in the Arrowverse, um, which is on, it's on uh, the CW. So it's not, it's not like a, not like the film universe, but it's, it's still, it's still a cinematic universe. Um, The backlash that she got from that was incredible. And I can't help but feel that it centers around the idea that these, um, these fanboys I have another name for them, but I will refrain <laughs> from using it. Um, but these fanboys are coming out and they're like, well, no, you don't know the real character. So you're not a purist. So mm-hmm. these neck beards, you know, they're, they're getting, they're getting upset. They're getting upset about, about these, about casting choices and, and storyline choices. And because it's not, it's not what they grew up with. And I feel like they only feel that way because when they were younger, comic books were their thing. And it was just theirs. Now they have to share it. And comic books were what made them special. And Marvel, what Marvel has done is Marvel, and really it's it's not a, in, in this case, it's not a bad thing. Marvel has just been like, we've got a treasure trove of stories that we would like to share with you guys. You're not going to buy the comics. We almost went bankrupt because you didn't buy the comics. But you'll watch a movie, so we're going to try to put out the best movies possible so that you'll watch this, and hopefully that will, trans- that will transfer into you buying comics. I don't think it has. I don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, taken off. I know that they're trying to 
relate the comics more to the movies so that they can get that crossover but you still can't deny that cinematic universes have caused this have caused a schism within the the nerd universe where you have nerds who have seen who have only seen the movies and you have nerds who have only read the comics who watch the movies and they get upset and then they're the they're the ones who take to the internet and start bashing casting choices which to be clear i i don't understand the ruby rose thing because batwoman is gay you have a gay woman an openly gay woman playing the part who's also a badass in her own right so i don't understand why that was upsetting to the neckbeards Hmm. But Stephen, you said you you had thoughts. Yeah, I and you know I, I I I I like some of your points there. Um, I think this also really kind of just speaks to not to bring up Rotten Tomatoes because again, you know, this is not the one hundredth episode where we can go on for three hours. <laughs> um, so I do want to keep it short, but um. Honestly, the public discourse on film criticism has been cheapened by a lot of people who, like you said, it's like, you know, they had their very own idea and they're not open to uh, other ideas. Mm -hmm. And a large part of it is because I don't think they really understand film criticism. It's, you know, it's not just about whether or not you enjoyed a movie or not. It's, uh, It's also about, you know, what went into making that movie work or not work um and you know when they single out things that really are pointless like um you know there's a woman lead like i mean you know like the last jedi that was a common complaint and it was like so Mm. but according to rotten tomatoes that's a reason i shouldn't go see it and Mm. you know so i'm in like i hate that kind of film criticism because that's not a genuine criticism that's just, you know, someone being an ignorant, you know, basement dwelling troll mm-hmm. who has no life. It's being a know? bigot. Exactly. And, you know, I, I feel like when, you know, when it comes to like analyzing films and like with the Marvel Universe, it does kind of help breed that because, you know, a lot of people go into these movies uh, with their own little private checklist, you know, of things they want to see in the story of things they're expecting to see, uh, you know, to, you know, either corroborate their theories on, you know, where the films are going or mm-hmm. whatnot. And, uh, you know, it's, it, since I am not really one of those people, I'm an outsider here. Um, I can only comment on what I'm observing. And that's what I observe is like, you know, people kind of either coming in with knowledge of, uh, the story beforehand or not. Mm-hmm. Um, since I usually come in, not really kind of knowing where it's going, but sort of, cause I mean, I hear, I hear you two talk about it and it's like, okay, now I, I have a context for that. Cause I, cause I'm friends with Marcus and Lindley. They, they, they tell me things. <laughs> um, and you know, and, and I'm a little bit more free to kind of evaluate the film on its own terms. Like, does it tell a clear, coherent story? Do I like the characters? Um, do I think it has a you know an interesting message that sort of thing 
Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people, um, they like to nitpick. And when they nitpick, they kind of let, they blow those nitpicks out of proportion mm-hmm. uh, to distract them from liking something else that's even bigger. Um, like it could be a perfectly good movie, but because, uh, I don't know, pick any arbitrary reasons, you know, something minor they didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they let that, you know, kind of internet community criticism get in the way and they don't ever truly give the film a fair evaluation. Right. And it's because they want that immediate feedback of, is it good or bad? Well, this didn't happen. And then like, they don't even take time to think on it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like if you're going to really evaluate a film, you got to think on it. Like last Jedi, you know, I saw it and I, that was a film I had to think on for like a day or two. Right. Like, you know, how did I really feel about that movie? Um, but you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, I think people should, you know, think a little bit more when they go to their movies instead of expecting the movie to think for them to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like wholeheartedly. I think that, um, uh, just, I, I think the, I think the culture of seeing movies definitely has to change. I feel like we've gotten to this point now with these movies where, uh, and, and maybe that's, and maybe that's, you know, we started this conversation. We started to show off talking about best popular film. Um, and I feel like that has, I feel like this has the Marvel effect, um, has caused that to happen. Because you do have to have that conversation. You do have to say, like, well, what's popular? Um, now, I do feel like it. it is, a, just, I mean, that doesn't change my opinion. It's still a token award. Um, but I feel like because of what Marvel has done, you kind of have to have that conversation. Um, for better or for worse. You know, you be the judge. But... Uh, and and don't get don't get me wrong audience i i mean i still love the mcu i'm gonna see i'm i've i've watched infinity war at least five times since i bought it on tuesday um and i have not regretted a single minute even though i cry every single time (laughs) um but these these cinematic universes something has to give i feel like you know lay off lay off the cinematic universes there are some franchises they can do it they have it built in steven said it earlier marvel and dc like yeah they should have a cinematic universe it makes sense should the dark universe really have a like a, a universe probably not just just give me a good mummy movie how about that well, you already gave me one. How about a good Bride of Frankenstein movie? How about that? Give me a good Dracula movie mm. with Benedict Cumberbatch. Hey, hey now. Ooh, that would actually be really good. That'd actually be really good. Sorry, audience. Uh, Steve and I are going to talk about that after we go off the air. But unfortunately for you, we're done for the night. Um, because it is quite late when we are recording this, and I have to wake up early to edit this. You're never going to know uh how long it took me to edit this but um but just know i do it for you audience i do it for you um audience we have reached the end of our show 
We hope that you have enjoyed it. Um, we have certainly enjoyed talking with you all. Um, but before we go, we do want to leave you guys with just a little bit of information. If you really like the show, if you want to reach out, you want to talk to us, um, please don't feel please don't hesitate excuse me i'm see i'm tired please don't hesitate to get in touch with us uh lindley where can the folks at home reach you folks at home you can reach me on instagram at little lottie and since con uh, season is coming up new york comic con's coming up in no- october you can like my cosplay page oh little hell lottie yeah cosplay. uh steven where can the folks at home reach you Folks at home, this is your lucky day because you can find me in three places instead oh, of just Jesus two. Uh, so first of all, on YouTube, you can type in Bailey's film work and see some of my uh, more professional stuff. You can also type in Steven's workshop and see uh, some of my earlier, less uh, elaborate things as well. Follow me on Twitter uh, at Bailey's workshop. Uh, I may post some funny things from time to time. Uh, you can also like my page, Bailey's Film Workshop, on Facebook. Yes, and click that share button when you like. And, of course, folks at home, you can always reach me on our Facebook page. Just look up Popcorn Prattle. You can also find us on our Twitter, at Popcorn, P-O-P-C-R-O-N, underscore Prattle, P-R-A-T-T-L-E. You can also find me on my personal Twitter account, at M-A-R-C underscore Leroy, L-A-R-O-Y. And you can also hear me, not on this podcast, but I am going to guest on two podcasts. I have two podcasts I'm going to show up on. Uh, One is called The Wild Pitch, and the other is called Escape This Podcast, which is an escape room podcast, and I am so excited, guys. <laughs> like, I <laughs> I love this podcast so much. I'm so excited to be on it. Um, hopefully, audience, you will listen to it. I'm probably going to make an ass out of myself. Um, so please show them some love. Go check them out. Uh, and then, uh, of course, listen to my episode when it comes out. So, yeah. Uh, guys, I think that is everything. We are all prattled out. So, audience, I leave you with this. From all of us, to all of you, we wish you peace, love, and tranquility. You all take care now. Get back to